I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. This is Internet Marketing. to you by Site Visibility at sitevisibility.co.uk. This is Internet Marketing. Now, before we start today, we'd like to encourage anyone looking for help with their digital marketing to get in touch with Site Visibility. Whether you have a burning digital marketing question or you're looking for an agency to work with, they'd love to hear from you. Give them a call, plus four four one two seven three seven three three four three three, or you can fill out the form at sitevisibility.co.uk slash contact, or alternatively, you can talk to either Scott or Sean via the live chat function on the site. They'd be happy to help. Now, today, I'm joined by Jeff White, co-founder of Cooler Partners. He's no relation, by the way. Jeff, how are you doing? I'm doing great, Andy. Thanks a lot. Uh, thanks for coming on. And you're based up in Canada, in Nova Scotia. Have I said that correctly? Uh, it, almost. Uh, Nova Scotia. Nova yeah. Scotia. I, I knew I'd said it completely wrong. <laughs> completely wrong. <laughs> and it, um, it does actually mean New Scotland, doesn't it? That's right. Yeah, it does. Uh, we're um, sort of a... Tucked over here on the right side of uh, Canada's east coast, and uh, yeah, uh, originally settled by uh, Scottish folks, and we have a Gaelic college, and there's, uh, I can, honestly, half the time, I can hear uh, bagpipes from my office uh, for the tourists. <laughs> really? So, um, we, haven't, we haven't managed to get rid of that. Bagpipes? Yep. I've never actually tried to play the bagpipes, but I'm sure that it would be a, quite a, a noise <laughs> if I did. Yeah, so Nova Scotia, that's the... I remember flying over Nova Scotia on the way down to New York. It's on the sort of New York flight path, isn't it, from the UK? That's that's right, yeah. 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 So tell us uh, about yourself, Jeff. Tell us about yourself and also tell us about uh, Cooler Partners. Sure. So uh, as you mentioned, we're, we're based in Halifax, Nova Scotia, and uh, our agency is uh, vertically focused. We work with mid-market manufacturers in North America um, who sell in a B2B type context. And I am a, a web designer and developer uh, by training, and I lead that practice here at Kula, although I now have some uh, fantastic staff who are much better at that than I am. So I get to work with them every day to to turn out uh, sites and work on usability and UX and things like that for some uh, some really interesting companies. Now, usability and UX, a uh, huge subject. We did touch on this couple of episodes ago, and I'm glad we're talking about it again. I want to talk about, um, I was going to say international websites, and I suddenly realized that all websites are international Well, I, in terms of their availability. But I was just wondering, um, obviously, not all the sites on the web are available throughout the world. We'll come on to that later. But what are the, some of the 
big problems that organizations run into when they're sort of building and maintaining sort of big corporate sites that serve buyers in different countries? Well, I think one of the one of the most important things is, you know, that kind of defines an international site is that when you're talking about organizations that sell truly internationally, it generally means that they have sites that are available in multiple languages. They might be um, accessible via different domain names. You know, if they're in Italy, .it and, and you know, the co.uk if they're in the UK. And, and they present certain challenges that just aren't necessarily there for companies that sell more regionally or, or only within the US or Canada or the UK. Um, often they are large beasts that are complicated through mergers and acquisitions. So sites that are bolted on to other um, other corporate environments uh, and, you know, they may adapt some of the UX and some of the design, but not all of it. They may have duplicate content issues where, especially if they uh, operate in multiple English countries, we see this a fair amount where they'll have the same content on the .com, on the .ca, the .uk, and, you know, the .au for Australia. And uh, none of those, um, so they're all kind of competing for the same search traffic with the same content. But as far as Google's concerned, they're different sites. Yeah. So that, that that can be a bit of a concern. The inconsistent UX um, or inconsistently applied interface design. So they might have similar color schemes, similar logos, but the navigation is different or, or you know, some of them are responsive and some of them aren't. And then I think, you know, the, the two of the really big ones are... Um, you know, they may only offer e-commerce in certain jurisdictions, but that's not immediately apparent when you get there. So, you know, you may try and buy something and then only get to the checkout and find out, oh, we only ship to the U.S. Mm. Um, you know, or uh, the one of the biggest problems that we see is that they really don't necessarily enforce uh, translation and have um, multilingual problems in that uh, only some of the content is translated into French or Italian or German or Japanese or Chinese or what have you. Mm. You mentioned all these different sort of one of the things you mentioned was actually duplication, and I was just wondering that, uh, I don't know, what is the solution to that? Because I'm guessing that with a really big corporation, you've probably got different teams working on different um, languages or, or, or different sort of country versions of the website. Is that normally the case? Is that normally what you find? I, I think it's, yeah, it's that. So you'll have, um, you know, you'll have a Maybe the marketing department is led out of the out of the U.S., but then there will be people who are working on the marketing team in Australia and in the U.K. And they're kind of taking, oh well, you know, this bit's good, and they'll put that on the homepage, and mm. not realizing that they're kind of creating problems with that. And, and what we often recommend when we're, especially when we're doing mergers of, uh, you know, taking these large disparate sites and kind of trying to turn them into a single corporate entity, is we'll work with them to try and bring all of those things together and get rid of those subdomains and instead use language filtering um, so that people can switch languages but only have one core English site, one core French side, mm. you know, and and simply use the language for selecting that rather than having a different domain name and therefore a different site for each one. So you mentioned language there. Uh, I mean, if you look at that's perhaps a bit more open up a bit just look at content in general what are the sort of common issues that crop up around sort of content and language well i i think uh, as i mentioned you know one of the biggest things is is not really taking into consideration the fact that you know you may have uh, you're going to have buyers in these different countries who are expecting the site to be available as available as it is in english in french or in german or something like that and as a result i think what oftentimes happens because you know, 
content is expensive. Content's expensive to create, it's expensive to maintain, it's expensive to translate. Mm. And not only that, but, you know, you shouldn't just be doing direct translation of content anyway, you know, just kind of converting the English directly into French isn't necessarily taking into consideration what the personas in that country are expecting, you know, and talking to them in their own language isn't as simple as simply replicating the English. It's about kind of changing to the language and the nuances of, of the, of speech in that country or in that jurisdiction. And, yeah. you know, we see that in Canada where we have, um, you know, the province of Quebec is French, but that French is very different from the French that you would see in, in Paris, yes. for example. Yeah. So, you know, trying to adapt to the personas that are going to be reading that and ensuring that they're not feeling slighted in any way, um, for, for the way that the content is written, um, and using colloquialisms that are, are local to them. I think that's pretty important. And, you know, I think this this kind of comes into play as well, as I mentioned, around multiple domains, you know, so instead of having um, a separate domain for each language and kind of targeting that country, instead, you should be using a language switcher with a single site, either on a dot com as kind of the basis and redirecting all of those domains to the appropriate area. And this this also comes into play, too, when you're, you know, when you're choosing the content management platform that you want to use for the site. A lot of the big enterprise clients that we work with, you know, they might have uh, large enterprise or, uh, content management platforms that make um, the creation and management of multiple languages particularly cumbersome. Mm. And it's interesting to see, you know, tools like WordPress that really do a great job of uh, of making the management of, of multilingual sites a fair bit easier than, than some of the, the large expensive corporate platforms. You mentioned there earlier, actually, about sort of merging multiple sites or sort of migrating them together, whichever word you prefer. What sort of things need to be considered when you're tackling a large sort of uh, multinational site and you, when you're trying to do this sort of merging together of operation? Well, I, I think one of the one of the first things that we certainly do, you know, uh, we're a very UX focused organization and, and very content focused. So one of the very first things that we do is, is a content audit. So we want to see, you know, what what's available on all of these different platforms, what sites um, and pages are uh, getting search traffic currently um, so that we can maintain any of that uh, Google rank that they may have. Um, we want to ensure that, you know, as we're kind of building out um, the new amalgamated version of the site that we're putting in appropriate redirects for all of those different all of that different content that we may have mm. so that we know you know if someone is used to going to something on the on whatever domain that that page is now you know living in an appropriate place and can be found by both the search engine and the people using the site the other thing too about you know big international platforms is that you often have uh, um, especially our clients tend to be on the manufacturing side and they have large dealer and distribution networks. So having a system in place that's available for people to be able to find their local representative, their local distributor, their local dealer, so that they know where they can buy those things, um, either through geolocation, postal code, lookup, whatever that happens to be, mm. um, is a super important tool, um, especially as you're amalgamating large sites. Mm. That, of course, gets us into the whole area of uh, local search, which 
we won't get into. <laughs> Don't worry. Um, <laughs> one thing I did want to ask, though, is that you know availability of uh, websites in 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 some countries is is very different. I mean, then China comes to mind. Um, completely different set of rules in China. What needs to be considered for companies operating there? Well, China is really interesting because, of course, all sites that are hosted outside of China are. I don't think they actually call it this, but we call it the Great Firewall. Yes. <laughs> but uh, um, so all sites that are hosted outside of China can be really slow for people within China. So if you're going to actually be doing business in China, you owe it to your customers to locate and purchase a server that is inside of China's firewall. Yeah. And that way it will be as fast as it is for, you know, users outside of uh, of China and uh, that presents certain problems especially if you're trying to uh, amalgamate a site, you know that China's the one place where you're going to have to continue to maintain under a separate domain name mm. just for that country. Um, there's also considerations you can't have e-commerce unless your site is hosted in China. So if you're going to be trying to sell things online, you absolutely must have a site that is located in China and you need to have what they call an ICP number. Now, I it's killing me, but I can't remember what, exactly what ICP <laughs> stands for at the moment. But uh, you have to have that number in order to have government approval to be able to sell items online mm. within that country. So, you know, there, there's a, a number of different considerations. Of course, there's also, you know, a matter of ensuring that you have all of your translation done and all of your content available in Chinese and simplified Chinese. And that that presents certain you know, considerations for organizations, especially from a cost perspective. So anytime that you're going to be doing translation, whether it's just from English to French or English to Chinese, you know, you're going to have additional costs over the creation of that content. And, you know, so having a site that is focused there, uh, located there, and preferably having some people on the ground who are able to maintain that site in that language are, are going to be essential to ensuring that you're servicing, you know, your customers in China properly. Mm. How difficult is it to get a, a site hosted in China? It's not as hard as you would think, but it is difficult to do from outside. Right. Um, so that's why it's critical to have um, some boots on the ground within China that you can actually rely on to locate and sign a contract, get a server up and running. And then it also is difficult to maintain remotely. So, you mm. know, you may need to be able to send files to someone in China and have them upload them to the site rather than doing everything from, you know, North America or what have you. Jeff, if you had one uh, key takeaway for our audience today, uh, you know, in relation to this, what would it be? I think the the main thing and, and one of the most important things is ensuring that, you know, you're you're looking at the content that you have and, and organizing it from an architectural perspective to make it as action oriented for the buyer personas across the, you know, around the world as possible so that you're actually making that content um easy to understand, easy to find that it's within the buyer's journeys that you're going to have within those different countries and ensuring that that content is relevant and still search friendly and then ensuring that you're getting serious about providing proper content in each language in each country and having that accessible easily from within the site using a language switcher I think is, is, a, is an absolutely essential component to, uh, to being successful with a large international site. Well, Jeff, thanks so much for coming on. How can our listeners find out more about you and uh, more about Cooler Partners? 
Sure. So uh, we're at KulaPartners.com. It's K-U-L-A Partners.com. Uh, we also host a, uh, a podcast of our own for manufacturing marketers called The Cooler Ring that you can find on our site. And uh, in addition to that, we uh, we do integration work uh, with an application that we've built called SynchroStack. And that's SynchroStack.com. So if anybody wants to check that out, that would be great. Well, thanks, Jeff. And thanks, everyone, for listening. The show notes will be in the usual place, sitevisibility.co.uk slash impodcast. If you're enjoying the show, leave us a review because we like reviews, especially if they're nice ones. Um, Questions and suggestions for future topics. The email is podcast at sitevisibility.co.uk. You can tweet at sitevisibility. We have a site visibility group on LinkedIn. So that's all from me, Andy. And it's all from Jeff. Thanks very much for having me, Andy. And thanks for coming on, Jeff. And we'll see you next time on Internet Marketing. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.